0: Welcome to this week's edition of Novak Now. I'm Jake Novak here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Again, my Twitter handle is at JakeJakeNY. You can find me on Facebook, Jake Novak, N-O-V-A-K. And somewhat sadly, if not very sadly, uh, this week's edition of Novak Now is going to have to touch on a number of the same topics as last week's edition of Novak Now because whereas I focused very closely on the comments of uh, and, and, the, and the trip that was canceled for Congresswomen Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, uh, that story got ignited even further, as I think a lot of people expected uh, in the past week, when on Monday uh, the 19th, August 19th, uh, Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib held a news conference in Minneapolis. Uh, Smart of them to do it in Minneapolis, because just about all the news media that would have been... There to challenge them on some of the things that they said wasn't going to go all the way to Minneapolis, uh, so they basically had a free platform to, say, a number of the, you know, the usual inaccuracies and some of them quite dangerous inaccuracies and lies about Israel. Um, they got to play it up for all it was worth. And then, of course, then the story got escalated even more on Tuesday when President Trump criticized them and then made the statement that he can't understand how Jews can continue to vote for Democrats who don't denounce and continue to basically promote people like Omar and Talib. And he said they're being very disloyal, meaning obviously disloyal to the Jewish people, disloyal to Israel, which is something he said actually that explicitly the next day for all those who were trying to take advantage of the comments and make it sound like he was saying they were disloyal to the United States. I don't want to go through... The deliberate attempts by some people to continue to use President Trump's words and to uh, um, define them in the worst way possible, this is a game that they've been playing with Trump ever since he started running for president, since the first day he announced for president, when they decided to change his comments about obviously some illegal uh, immigrants in Mexico and and pretended that he was talking about all immigrants legal or, or illegal from Mexico uh, and, of course, they've been doing that now for four, and four years and uh, two months. So what's that? Fifty months they've been doing this now. Um, and they continue to do it. And people, a, a good segment of the population goes for it every single time. So it's sad. But um, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. There's really nothing that, uh, th- th- that was not what his intention was. But I, but I will talk about this now in the context of, of, rel- of, of being a relative, relative priorities here without trying to rehash too much of what I talked about last week when it comes to Tlaib and Omar and this whole trip. So I'm not going to go back into the whole argument about that trip, which was just ridiculous. And again, my message from last week was very simple. When you have a loved one, when you have something so important to you, like the state of Israel, forced to make that tough decision about whether to allow them into the country or not. And we know that there are strong arguments on both sides for what could have been their decision there, Israel's decision there. When the decision is made you support the one that you love for making a a reasoned decision. Like I said, there were many good reasons not to allow them into the country. So you don't have to go around repeating all the reasons not to get them in the country. You just say, look, Israel had a tough decision to make. We support Israel. That's the most important thing. And I support them now, and I hope that they don't get too bashed for making a tough decision. That's what everyone should have been saying. And um, some people did. Some people didn't. It's disappointing. Some of the folks who decided to pretend like they were the smartest little boy in the class and continue to show how much smarter they are. And that really brings me to the theme of, of this edition of Novak Now, because I'm gonna talk about three different topics, but they all flow into the same thing, and that is resolve, and that is teamwork. And I think for a lot of people in this country, especially people who think that they're intellectuals, and real intellectuals, but especially people who think that they're intellectuals, the idea of teamwork, and showing support for either an organization or a country or a people, especially if it's their own people, is something that makes them uncomfortable. And I think the biggest reason is they want to try to show how much better they are than the group mentality. They're afraid of the group mentality. They believe that the group mentality has led to a lot of bad things. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Like almost, any, almost anything that happens naturally in a society, either people acting in a large group or not acting in a large group, it can lead to good things and it leads to bad things it depends so I think that there's an issue that we have as resolve and I think as, as Jewish people of all levels all levels of, of Jewish people and by that I mean the very very orthodox and the very very secular I think that there's an issue of resolve that and supporting one another just because we're Jews is a real problem that we have <laughs> it's something that really turns too many Jews off and it's, and it's disappointing and, and it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to be that way when you see Jewish people, again, Jewish by birth, standing with Talib and Omar like they, like a couple of them were on Monday, supporting their hatred for Israel, and supporting their, their words that lead to, to death. I mean, let's, let's face it, if you're a Jew in Europe or other parts of the world, this kind of talk about occupation, you know, uh, these loaded terms, uh, th- these, are, these words are used as excuses to go attack Jews. And it's happened so many times that I don't even have to justify that with by listing all the examples. I don't feel like doing that, but you know, it's the, you, know that you know that I'm telling you the truth. And there are Jews who seem very intent, whether it's the two or three Jewish women who stood with Talib and Omar on Monday, shamefully, or somebody like Peter Beinart, who, who uses the most vile terminology about Jews who live in the West Bank, and, 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 and really shows great support for those who are killing Jews, not only on the West Bank, but in Europe and others, and using that as an excuse. And people like that, I think their biggest motivation is they really want to stand out. They're very, very devoted to their own individual, individualism. It's very, very important to them. And one of the things that you learn when you're part of, of Qal Yisrael is that you're one of many people. And I've, I've spoken about this before, about how the state of Israel really rubs people who can't get into to join that kind of a group mentality, even for a good reason. It really rubs them the wrong way. Uh, the scenario I talk about is that, you know, listen, there are a lot of Jewish men, I'm, I'm one of them, and I've, I've been guilty of this myself, who are very proud of their Jewish education and very proud of, of how smart they think they are. Again, I've been guilty of it myself. I'm working on it. And then you go to Israel and you're humbled. Now, I think it's great. I think it's great that I go to Israel and I'm humbled because everyone is is, a, is in many ways a better Jew than I am in Israel in in, 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 a, in, a good, in many different important ways. And even even if they're just sort of living there and contributing to the state but of course people who are very well educated so again even here in new york the number one jewish city in in north america almost everywhere i've worked where there have been other jews etc cetera, etc cetera, i've always been the go-to guy in the office to ask like the jewish questions to ask jewish history questions ask questions about israel ask questions about halakha in a jewish law that's fine and then i go to israel and everybody's like me and a lot smarter and it's a good humbling experience I th- I'm, I'm proud of the fact, <laughs> this is where I'm not being humble, I'm proud of the fact of the way that I take it when I go visit Israel, and I see, hey, because, because I make up for it, w- what comforts me is like, hey, I'm part of this people, and there's different things that I can do other than just being someone who rattles off trivia or answers certain people's questions here in the States. And I think that people like Noam Chomsky and a lot of jur- especially Jewish journalists who go and visit with Benjamin Netanyahu, they don't like getting humbled in that way. They don't like that at all. They like being the smartest little Jewish boy in the class. They like being an individual that stands out. And in Israel, a Jew doesn't really stand out, right? It's a Jewish state. Smart Jews don't really stand out so much in Israel. It's one of the reasons why academia in Israel is so so competitive and kind of nasty. That movie footnote, uh, which came out maybe six, seven, eight years ago, that that was so widely uh, uh, praised, uh, is uh, is a, is a really good. Uh, <laughs> Good, good depiction of the academic uh, um, culture in Israel. Um, you got a lot. You got a lot of smart little Jewish boys and girls in in, in Jewish academia in Israel, and it's kind of hard to stand out. And it leads to a lot of you know a lot of anger and a lot of angry sentiment. And uh, that's true of academia in the United States, also. Uh, you could make a, a they could really make a, a U.S. version of that movie and set it in maybe some Ivy League university, and it would it would still work, I think, on some levels. But There's something about supporting Israel publicly and supporting Israel uh, regularly that rubs certain arrogant, I think, mostly, and people who cannot come to terms with the fact that they're just one person that rubs them the wrong way. And it's too bad because at some point in your life, you've got to join a team. You don't have to always be on that team. It should be one that's really worth being on, like your own family, things like that. And there comes a point where Showing how you differ from the team that people expect you to be on is less and less impressive. You know, if you're going to be a whistleblower in a corporation that's stealing money, I think that's, that's impressive. Uh, depending on how much money you were stealing before you decided to go straight. You know, a lot of these whistleblowers in <laughs> corporations, by the way, this is something you learn if you really follow financial, financial news closely, a lot of them are in on the take for a long time and then they decide to go straight. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's wrong that they've decided to go straight and blow a whistle on something, but... You've got to make sure that you're not you know, canonizing them and calling them a saint. Uh, sometimes that's not exactly what's happening. But th- there comes a time when you have to support the state of Israel, and when you have people who are using the term occupation for Israel, which is the term that the people who want to kill us, both in Israel and outside of Israel, use, you've got to step away from those people. You have a problem with certain Israeli policies, That's understood you probably we have problems with our loved ones a spouse we have problems with with our children do we do we publicly lambaste them a lot of times you'll hear the term especially from groups like j street which is a total fraud organization because they are a fraud because they push themselves as the tough love organization for israel i urge you go on the j street website go on their website and find me the love where's the love for the state of israel on j street it's all criticism all the time imagine you're a parent and you're a parent with a kid who has some issues that you want to fix. But all you ever do and is, is criticize them, not only privately, but publicly to other people. That's not love. That's abuse. And that says more about you than your child. And that says more about them than Israel. And of course, Talib and Omar, it's really important to to remember, they are not just people who are suddenly criticizing Israel. These are longtime supporters of the boycott, divest, and sanction movement, which seeks to destroy Israel economically. That's what the the actual stated purpose of it is. But as Caroline Glick and a few other people uh, pointed out this week, Caroline Glick, the uh, former columnist for the Jerusalem Post, while she is running for office, I guess she cannot have a column in the Jerusalem Post. They have similar laws like like we do here in the United States about folks who have like radio shows or newspaper columns. While you're a candidate, you can't have them, which is, which is understandable. Um, she made the point, which is another point that I've made in the past, and I think a lot of people understand, the BDS movement doesn't really hurt Israel. Israel's economy has grown exponentially ever since the so-called BDS movement started. So it's been a big flop on that level, but what it is, has been, where it has been successful, and where it is really dangerous, is the BDS movement's real goal, or at least its immediate goal, which is to shame and frighten American Jews and Jews in the diaspora, and really anybody, but especially Jews, from supporting Israel. Scare them away from doing it, showing them that it's just not worth it, that they're going to have to continue defending themselves, not only rhetorically, but sometimes from physical abuse. And just the fact that you're Jewish, you're going to have to really, really stand out and say, I don't support Israel. You can't just be quiet. They want you to come out and be a real virulent hater of Israel. And we know that because one of the tactics that the BDS movement has used on campus is finding all the Jewish names in a dorm registry and knocking on the doors in the middle of the night with phony eviction notices for all the Jewish students, whether they were pro-Zionist or not, you don't know, and saying, oh, we're just simulating what it's like to live in the, in the, in the, in the occupation, which of course is a lie. People who get their houses bulldozed in Israel are the family supporters of, uh, of terrorists who kill Jews. It's not like suddenly in the night you've done nothing wrong and someone kicks you out of your house. It's just not what happens. It's, 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 you know, again, one of the many lies. But my point is the BDS movement that Talib and Omar are part of, it isn't just about ang- being angry at Israel on a foreign policy issue. It is a domestic policy issue because that threatens American Jews and Americans who support Israel. It is a threat to them, and I don't mean just a rhetorical threat. I mean it is a physical threat. They are, are To be a BDS supporter in a country other than Israel is to threaten those who support Israel and to try to scare them away from, from supporting Israel publicly. And it's succeeded in that it's made a lot of young kids who go to colleges who are otherwise supportive of Israel or maybe thinking about it, they either keep their mouth shut or pretend that they're not supportive. And this starts to snowball into a problem. You know, I have a lot of people, who, I've had people that I work with who are very, very secular Jews who say to me, you know, my kids, they don't really care about Israel, or they really don't like Israel, and they make it sound like it's Israel's fault. Listen, your kids are, are, have been brainwashed by the people who are trying to, to smear Israel. You want to you blame Israel for that? Go ahead, but it's, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. So this, though, again, is part of a test of our resolve as Jews. Not only our resolve to push back on the BDS folks, that's obvious, and there are wonderful organizations like Stand Up for Israel and people who go on campus to give Jewish kids and, and kids who support Israel, obviously a lot of evangelical kids as well, give them the ammunition to stand up and to have the courage to stand up for Israel. And I love all those organizations, and you can find them online, and they're fantastic. But I'm not just talking about that kind of resolve. I'm talking about the resolve to support our fellow Jews who are in a certain situation and to stop trying to be smarter than the, every, everybody else. It's really frustrating to me to see, to see this. Because, again, this was something that I talked about last week with the people who couldn't help themselves but go out of their way to talk about how much smarter they were and how they would have done it differently than Israel did with the banning of Talib and Omar's trip. It was so, it's just so, so important to so many people, especially Jewish people, I think, to show how smart they are. You know, it's, it's amazing to me how someone can have the gall and the chutzpah to do that. You're not living in Israel a... You're not the Israeli government or the Israeli military who has to deal with life and death situations every single day. But, but it's important that as a, you know, as a rabbi of some synagogue in, in Nowheresville or the, the rabbinical assembly or whatever Jewish group you are, you've got to put out, a, including APAC by the way, which is so disappointing, you've got to put out a statement about how, how, how it was so, you know, it, it wasn't that smart for Israel to do this. They, they should have done what, what I think. I mean, just think about that. The arrogance, the hubris... The the, the the absolute chutzpah to say something like that publicly and continue to do so after Talib and Omar have this news conference on Monday, which was so so difficult to watch. It went on forever. They trotted out all these lies and people who were there to to, to cry crocodile tears over lies and to smear Jews and to put Jews in serious danger. You had Rashida Talib crying about the checkpoints, and now forty eight hours later, somebody at a, at the, at the Allenby Bridge checkpoint between Israel. And Jordan tried to strangle to death uh, you know, a, a, someone, a, a Jewish person, uh, someone actually who worked for the, the Israeli government, uh, you know, in that area. Is she, is she the reason why that attack happened? I don't know. Wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised if she somehow inspired that, that, that attempted murder. But all of us need to get tired of this smarter than thou, holier than thou kind of thing going on here. Israel is under attack. Literal attack all the time from rockets and terrorists and rhetorical attack from all over the world. And now is the time when you decide, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about how much smarter I am than Israel and they're doing something wrong. It's not the time to do that. Again, think of it as your child, as your sibling, as a loved one who is being threatened physically and, others, and other ways. That's when you want to show the world the, the, the two or three things you disagree with him or her about? That's when you want to do that? It's so important for you to show how, some, how much better a person you are? You're not. If that's, if that's your priority, <coughs> you've disqualified yourself as, as someone who could even make a comment about it. And I'm really getting sick of it. I'm really getting sick of it. We have to have the resolve to stand with Israel publicly when, it's, when, it's, when, it's, when, it's, when Israelis are being threatened, when Jews are being threatened around the world. And that includes, I think you know where I'm going with this, and that includes keeping your eye on the ball for the people who are really threatening Israel. I am so, so angry and so, so disappointed at so many Jews in the way that they've behaved in the last few days because one day after, Elon and Omar say these hateful lies about Israel, threaten Israel, and not one Democrat leader, not one Democrat running for president, denounces the member of their own party, which, by the way, is more important. It's, it's great when people from the other party attack another party, a member, another member or two members from another party's misdeeds. That's fine. But as we all know, it's much more valuable when people really do stand up to misdeeds. And I, I know I've just talked about when you have to decide to be on a team. But Democrats are not being threatened. Their lives are not being threatened like Israel's being threatened. Democrats are not like Jews. Okay, The Democratic Party would also, by the way, do, much, do better in the short, short run and the long run if it did more and more to marginalize Talib and Omar and people like them. So for 24 hours, Talib and Omar are not denounced by any presidential candidate from their own party, not any member of the leadership of their own party, even if they're saying these terrible, terrible and dangerous lies about Israel. And then President Trump does it and Jews all over the world, especially in the United States, have the chutzpah to criticize him because they don't like the way that he pushed back on them. I'm, I'm sorry, folks, but this is insanity. This is outright insanity. I am not in a position, and neither is any Jew in this country or any Jew in this world, to decide that those who push back against our enemies, and Rashid, Rashida Talib and Elon Omar are our enemies, Absolutely. Don't even think otherwise. But we have never been in a position, and we are certainly not in a position now, to look askance at the, way, at the way those who push back on our enemies do so. Now, President Trump said something that a lot of more politically conservative Jews and other politically conservative people who are not Jews have said privately for years, that it doesn't seem to make sense to us why so many Jews continue to vote for the Democratic Party. I, I have many theories as to why that is, and they usually are backed up by the facts of any new, new uh, given set of facts that happens in the news. And had it not been for Taliban and Omar's very, very dangerous situations uh, statements, I, I, I too would be maybe publicly saying, hey, look, what President Trump said is something that was best, best really said in private. We can have that debate in private, and it's it's probably not great for a non Jew to say those things. But I'm not saying that because a day after because he said them a day after two members of Congress got away with because nobody asked them a challenging question, of course, and nobody in the news media really, really took them to task. These two women said horrific, scary, frightening, life threatening lies about Jews in Israel. And nobody said a thing from the Democratic Party. Nobody. And the news media, which is very often the same thing as the Democratic Party, also didn't really say a thing. So for the president to come around and say something that all other things being equal without their news conference that I would advise him not to say publicly, but pushing back on them, I'm not going to criticize him for that. I'm just not. And as I said at the beginning of the show, he was not saying that Jews who vote Democrat are not loyal to him or the United States of America. That's not what he said. I know it was very, very important. I know it's very, very important for a lot of Jewish Democrats and a lot of Democrats in general to pretend that he said that. But we've already done this. All right? we, we continue to do this with everything he says. This twisting of it and defining it li- de- on, deliberately in the worst possible way. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. And you can continue to blame President Trump for it. That's That's silly. He's not the one who's having his words twisted in this way. And it's really frustrating. But this is not about defending President Trump. This is about understanding that there are So many people, even including those who feel that they support Israel, who have their priorities messed up. And one of my only thoughts about this, for why this is happening, people who actually do support Israel, who are angry at President Trump all the time, is because of that. They're angry at him all the time. To him, to them, the President Trump issue is something that bothers them every day. And even though they support Israel, that's something they think about once in a while. But every day they wake up and they see Trump and and he, he, he triggers them in some way, he gets them super angry, and... That's the thing that they want to deal with first. And they start losing their perspective. And this is what happens to people in relationships, too. You have a job that's bothering you, and every day you've got to go to the job and spend a lot of hours on the job. And so you come home and you take it out on your wife and kids, or your husband and kids. This happens. This is, this is, this is, the, this is life for millions of Americans and people all over the Western world, by the way. But you've got to have your priorities straight. You know, I, I have a lot of tough days at work. And, and, and I hope that I'm coming home every night and then waking up the next morning without pushing, y- using that frustration and bringing that into the house. And sometimes that means keeping some stuff to myself, because it's just not worth complaining in front of people. And sometimes it doesn't. But the point is, this anger at President Trump that a lot of Jews are facing right now, again, I'm talking about the Jews here who support the state of Israel, not the ones who don't. But those who decide that, that, that pushing back up against Trump is more important than this once in a while thing they, they think about with Israel, you have your priorities mixed up. Supporting Israel and your fellow Jews needs to be your everyday thing. And your Trump anger needs to be a once in a while thing. And if the way that the news media is so obsessed with everything he does is, is making it hard for you to put that in perspective, then, then pay attention to something else. Read a book, get off the news sites, Read the Ulysses Grant book by Ron Chernow. I think I've already praised that book a couple of times here on, the, on Novak Now here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Do, do something like that. But you must have the resolve to support Israel when it's being threatened in this way. Now, if somebody other than Elon Omar and, and Rashida Talib want to criticize something else about Israel that is within reason to criticize it and is not an existential threat to Israel, fe- fine, feel free. That, that's, th- th- there are plenty of times to be public about that. I, I've been critical. I, I don't like the way Israel's chief rabbinate works. Uh, to me, changing that and criticizing that is in no way ganging up on Israel or threatens it existentially, but existentially. but if you are someone who wants to talk about the occupation, which is a, just a false term, or if you're someone who wants to talk about an Arab ban, a Muslim ban, which is what Elon Omar said Israel has, which is, of course, also a ridiculous lie... Muslims have incredible rights in Israel compared to every Muslim country. If, you, if, that's, if that's when you decide to gang up on Israel and join on the bandwagon, then you have your priorities all wrong. And yes, I think that by deciding to focus on President Trump and having a, a fit about what he had to say as opposed to what Tlaib and Omar had to say is, is a sign that your priorities are mixed up. You know, I, I mean, imagine if because they didn't do this. Imagine if, if President Roosevelt during World War II had indeed bombed the tracks to Auschwitz, or maybe even bombed the crematoria, and one or two Jews had died in those actions, which would have been a tragic thing. Imagine if the Jews of the United States decided to only focus on the Jews who were killed in the bombings of, again, they didn't happen, in, in the bombings of what should have happened, the bombings of the tracks to Auschwitz, And we decided to only focus on the one or two Jews who died as collateral damage in those attacks. That's what we're doing right now, folks. Yes, President Trump inelegantly pushed back on Tlaib and Omar, but thank God he pushed back on them. Thank God. Because nobody else in the leadership of this country really was. certainly not anyone in the leadership in the Democratic Party or in the news media. I'm sorry, folks, but we are not in a position as Jews to start picking and choosing who defends us and how they defend us, especially when we're talking about statements here and not something like, you know, it's not like President Trump went and had them murdered. But again, if if your day-to-day, 24-7 obsession is your hatred of President Trump and your fear of President Trump, which really, uh, get over it, but if that's your your thing every day, then yeah, it's going to be really hard for you to see the forest with the trees, which is Israel's existence is being threatened by people like this. Jews who support Israel are being physically threatened in many ways. And pushing back on them, short of committing a crime, is something we should be grateful for. So yeah, be grateful for it. I'm sorry if that's something that you can't swallow. I'm sorry if it's much more important to you to be the smartest little Jewish boy and Jewish girl in the class and talk about how the president should should not have said it in a certain way. But that says more about you than it says about him. It is a case of, of, of it is a, a, a situation of a lack of gratitude, but more, more importantly, it's a case of not really having any any real wisdom. And it's right, and it's 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 really really frustrating. Again, I, I, you know, a great metaphor about wisdom and smarts is a smart person knows that a tomato technically is a fruit. A wise person knows not to put it in the fruit salad. So a smart person might say, "Well, it's not really smart for the president to say it in this way." A wise person knows, "Wow, he pushed back against people who were trying to kill us. Who cares? As long as he's not committing a bigger crime in, in in pushing back on those who are trying to kill us, thank him and go home. And if you really can't stand the man, then don't thank him, but don't bash him either. Move on. We're just in that really kind of a bad place right now." I really hope that we can have a little bit more unity and a little bit more wisdom going forward. This is Jake Novak. This has been Novak Now on the Nachum Siegel Network. I hope to speak to you again next week.